Talkback Matters from the Salvos. Beth works in immigration law. She was raised by an atheist professor dad who taught her the meaning to life. And when she told me what that meaning to life was, I was not only shocked but really saddened. But it didn't make sense to her and she shares the journey finding the meaning to life. My father was a highly educated um, professor of philosophy, so he completed a DPhil at Oxford University. He was an atheist at best um, as he died. Uh, I would describe him at best an agnostic, and my mother would have been described as an agnostic. So when I was five years old, he, I asked him what happened after we died, and he essentially summed it up in saying, we die, our bodies are buried, and the worms eat us. So that was his uh, hope for the future. That was his hope and his view, yet he still believed that it was his duty to make the world a better place for him having been on it. Yeah. And how did that affect you as a kid? As a child, it, it put a lot of fear in me and, uh, and it didn't sit right. I couldn't imagine that position being correct. And so there was always some sort of a doubt that there was something more than death and nothingness. Yeah. And... Um, So that caused me to keep looking and keep searching. And so how did you search? Um, I think that being raised in the 1970s in Australia, we were exposed to a lot of different Christian thought with Christmas and Easter. Yeah. But really the essential exposure would have come with my next door neighbour and my best friend, both of whom were Catholics. And occasionally... My best friend would talk to me about the concept of Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. And so there was a conversation that I had with her when I was nine. And uh, I asked her whether or not it would be okay for me to pray to God. And she went home, checked with her mother to see if it was okay. And the answer came back that, yes, it was okay for me to be praying at home to God. And so from that point on, I would pray every single night to a God that, Our family didn't know, but somehow I knew there was something out there. And what uh, happened with with your prayers? Did it make you feel any different or did it just seem, did you seem like you're wasting time or did you feel something inside that there was more, that there was a sense of reality? No, when, when I was little, I would start praying for my family and there was this urgency or sense of a need to keep on praying for each one member of my family, but also for the world and the problems of the world at large. And um, I think that in the night time, quite often I would wake up at night quite fearful of things and I would put myself to sleep by praying to God. And there would be a sense of calm that would come, but I didn't necessarily feel or sense him in a very manifest way, Uh Um, but it was something that I would do. But I did go along to church with my neighbor, and I would ask to go to church with other people. And so as I grew from that 10-year-old that had started to pray, uh, in year seven, I was given a Gideon's Bible, and I started to try to read that, but nothing quite made sense. And I asked to go to a number of church services with friends, and again, I was never approached or asked if I wanted to know more about it, but I just kept on seeking right through my teenage years. Um, Something I hadn't mentioned 
before was that when I was about 19, there was a Jewish man that said to me that he would have loved to have married me. And I can remember saying to him, well, I, I couldn't marry you because I would have to deny that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And at that point, I wasn't actually a practicing Christian or anything, but I just knew that in my very essence that that would actually not be an okay thing to do. Wow. So really, it came to a crux when I was about 23 and my then partner, de facto partner, and I went along to a non-denominational church service where there was an invitation to ask Jesus into your heart. And so I was one of the many that put their hand up um, while we all had our eyes closed and then went forward and um, and committed our lives to Jesus Christ at that point in time. You didn't realise the next step was they were going to ask you to go out the front. Oh, no. No, no, no. I I put my hand up um, saying, yes, that, that that's what I wanted. And the very essence of myself knew that that would be the right thing to do, that there was an invitation that was occurring. Uh, and then once we all put our hands down, they then asked the people that put their hands up to go forward, which I didn't actually want to do because it was a bit confronting for me to have to do that with all of the warnings that I'd been raised with about the orange people in the 1970s and things like that. I was a bit concerned that I was getting involved in something that wasn't okay. But again, as a matter of integrity, I felt that I had to go forward to the front. And that was when we were led in a prayer to ask Jesus into our heart. And I'd say that from that point on, our lives, both my now husband and my life, changed quite dramatically. Because you were mentioning how you were living de facto and then something clicked with both of you. Yes, we were living in a de facto relationship and we'd been seeing each other, boyfriend, girlfriend, and, and then later living in a de facto relationship for five years. And both of us at that stage went forward. My husband grew up in the Uniting Church but had drifted away and he also went forward. And so when we went home from that event, we looked at each other and said, well, we need to find a church. And so we instantly plugged in and started to pursue what it was that we had actually just committed to. So we you know, went along to a church and, and started to try to read the Bible. And we started to see that there had been a pattern of God in both of our lives coming right up to that point of decision. And then beyond that, we could also see God gently drawing us uh, towards him with all sorts of different miracles and occurrences where we could just see his fingerprint um, throughout our lives, but it's very, very much so once we became new Christians. Wow. Can you give us an example of one of those? Um, one example that we laugh about a lot is that we had a friend who used to always um, seem to arrive at dinner time and we never had enough for him. And we'd just become Christians and gone down and got some fish and chips and we had an abundant supply and the two of us looked at each other and said, oh, maybe so-and-so will be coming past for dinner. And we thought nothing more of it. And five minutes later, the front doorbell rang and that person actually had arrived and we had enough, more than enough actually for him and also for ourselves. But we found that there was little touches of God happening throughout our lives when we couldn't quite make ends meet. Some sort of miracle would happen. We would be given provision. We'd be given food. And we've seen that in the 20-something years, I think it's 23, 24 years 
since, we've actually seen um, God not only touch our lives, but other people's lives over and over and over again. So a little girl that was raised by an atheist father who would often question her faith and question, does God really exist, was given an extraordinary amount of evidence to show that God not only did exist, but that he actually individually loved us and cared about us on a very personal level. So just to close, you said that you uh, witnessed a girl uh, get healed from being in a wheelchair. Yes, so both my husband and I believe in the power of God and we were down at Southland Christmas shopping and we felt prompted or I felt prompted to go over and pray, offer to pray for a girl that was sitting in a wheelchair And the background story that I found out about later was that she had had a brick wall fall on her legs. One leg had been broken and the other one had had to be surgically broken. And I felt God ask me to stop and to pray for her. And um, as I did, she felt heat move into her legs. And I then turned around to her mother and asked her if she would like prayer as well. And the mother started to cry and I prayed for her and I gave her a hug. Um, and the mother actually started to sob in my arms and said she'd been contemplating suicide a couple of days before, mm. and um, but she'd seen Andrew and I across the crowd and had noticed that there was something a bit different about us, which I found quite amusing, but um, people sometimes say. And um, she, I caught up with her about a week later, I think it was, yeah. And she turned up on our front doorstep with her daughter and her daughter was walking and she was meant to be in that wheelchair for six weeks. And wow. I looked at her and I said, what on earth has happened? She said the following day, her daughter had decided to stand and um, within a couple of days, she had started to walk and she just needed the strength to return in her legs. So we prayed for her again and the strength returned to her legs. So six weeks before she should have been out of the wheelchair, she went back to the physio who told her off for being out of the wheelchair, and they said to her, the physio, you go ahead and do any tests that you'd like to do for strength, etc. And the physio shook her head and said, I don't understand. Everything's fine. You're strong enough to be walking, but it makes no logical sense. That's Beth with her story. She came to find freedom and the meaning to life and the power that is available to all of us who call on the name of our maker. Today she works in immigration law, helping asylum seekers. Light and life. The Salvo's weekly radio show.